your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Everybody in Thanksgiving mode yet? We just uh, sail, sailing into Thursday, doing as the bare minimum. Kind of a busy day today. Lacrosse native Johnny Davis scored a career-high 21 points. Badgers beat Texas A&M to begin the Maui Invitational. The Maui Invitational, which is being played in Las Vegas, trying to keep people off the island in Hawaii. Another school threat in lacrosse. This is the third one in a month. Uh, one of these is it was not really lacrosse, but it's kind of sort of lacrosse related, and then it was all kind of a hoax, too. Uh, that one a month ago, Winona Senior High got the threat. It was like a screenshot of a Snapchat. I didn't see this one. Um, this one from a month ago, but it mentioned a, a, a someone sh- going to shoot up Central High School. But it was it was one of these screenshots that just, for some reason, it goes viral. I don't know how exactly that works. It'd be nice to have uh, maybe just maybe get a, a answer on that, but. Um, it, it, it deemed a hoax and it didn't really matter. Uh, so went on and lacrosse police were like, eh, don't worry about it. And then a couple of weeks ago, not just less than a week, just more, just over a week ago, we got an arrest for a threat from central high school where a 17 year old, I think he hacked or maybe he just logged in or maybe someone left their email open somewhere and they, uh, they were sending threatening messages over email at Central High School. Don't have like the exact details there, but just he, that, that person was arrested two, a little over a week ago. And now today, uh, somebody, somebody sent me the screenshot of this Snapchat, and it's uh, at Logan High School. And it's essentially this. So it wasn't a picture, but it was just like a, a, a message. And it was sent over Snapchat saying that this person wanted to to kill eight students and two teachers. So a little bit specific. And then it mentioned being bullied. And uh, and then there was some more to it that would just seemed a little off. Um, all of it, of course, seemed a little, well, a lot off. But the the the, the oddly specific part, and then uh, being bullied, uh, which is you know, if you want to say you're bullied, you're bullied. That's totally fine. Go, go tell somebody of authority, anybody in the school that's an adult. I would think would take that serious. And uh, beyond that, it was it was something like who's coming with me, or who's going to join me. Uh, it was something something weird. And uh, and then it said by Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving. I'm pulling it up now. I don't. I didn't actually have the screenshot in my in the story. It's one of them things. Like, do you? Do you promote this because it's your because that's sometimes these people just want attention, right? So then they get the attention because you're posting and talking, and here we are giving it attention. I don't I don't know if this is a student, but I you know hard to say if a student's listening to Lacrosse Talk PM. I don't think that's my mark target uh, market, right? Uh, but yeah, it said uh, being bullied and. Uh, Join me or die too was kind of the end of that message that I just left out of the story for some reason. But um, so we've got three schoolish incidents. Two, two were, two seem to be 
pretty legit, but the lacrosse school district sent me what they had sent family and staff. They sent this email out to family and staff or a letter. Uh, I would say an email, I'm guessing. And then the district said that uh, it's not considered an imminent threat to students or staff. So classes and activities will continue. The message goes on to say that the district believes the information will lead to law enforcement, will lead law enforcement to those responsible for sending the message. And if anyone has any more information to contact the district or police. So at this point, that's all we know. And again, it says, you know, the beginning of the the message is I'm going to shoot up Logan High after Thanksgiving break. So apparently that's why this doesn't seem like an imminent threat for police or for the district because the person we're trusting the person's not going to shoot up the school before break. And uh that and that in the the school district immediately I somebody somebody sent me the screenshot which I think is going around on at least on Facebook. And the district sent me immediately the message that said you know, this is what we, we told Logan, parents and staff, parents, family, staff, everybody, you know, that would be affiliated there. But lacrosse police haven't responded to any, with any information via social media that I can tell, um, unless they did it in the last 20 minutes. But I haven't seen anything from lacrosse police, and they haven't responded to any emails. So the lacrosse police are hush-hush on, on this stuff, which they seem to be a lot, do that a lot. Uh, and I don't understand. If we want more information, then we should—I don't know. It should be more. It should be more forthcoming with information. But I can't tell you all the ins and ins and outs of how police do investigations. But they didn't put out a statement at all. So what? Do, I guess maybe they don't want the public in a frenzy. But once we have the information it, and the screenshots going around social media, then why wouldn't police say something? So I don't understand that. Um, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. And so that's all I got there, I guess. I just wanted to rant about that for a minute because uh, that's the news of the day. Uh, coming up, Pat Heim. If you've listened to Hayes in the morning, you've had, he's had Pat Heim on. She's a, a retired criminal law attorney. She had done that for 45 years. So uh, she's often, not often on here, but in the morning you'll hear Joe Heim, her husband, on political former political science professor at UW Lacrosse, uh, talk about stuff. Now we're using now we're using Pat, and uh, she comes in handy. <laughs> so I really appreciate her coming out. She's going to join me. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things. So obviously the Rittenhouse case has come to a conclusion now, and we'll talk about that. But there's a there's also this case about Crystal Kaiser, and the Wisconsin Supreme Court's taking this up. And it's, again, it's about self-defense, but this is a girl that isn't free. <laughs> she went to jail and uh, just got bailed out. So I think she sat in jail for, for a couple of years because the, uh, the nation didn't, didn't uh, pour money out to get her uh, bonded out. So uh, we can ask Pat about that case, too. It's very... It's somewhat similar. There's always apples and oranges when it comes to this stuff, but it's always, you know, uh, you, you can always look at, like, who the case is about and then wonder why the outcomes have been completely the opposite. So you can just 
draw your conclusions there. Uh, so yeah, that's the Crystal Kaiser case. I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, the 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 Georgia case with the three white guys who who basically did a what a lot of people call a a modern day lynching, uh, running down a person who was running, uh, running in their them down in their in a truck with, using shotguns. Pretty pretty awful. And then the uh, the other case, which will probably get a lot of attention soon, is uh, Justine Maxwell. And if you don't know that name, uh, you probably will pretty soon. That's the that's the case that might take down everybody that's uh, in Hollywood and beyond, from Bill Clinton to Donald Trump and and everybody. Right? Uh, we'll get into that one too uh, in a little bit here. Uh, but before that, I got to take a break. Brad's got to do the news. We'll be back with Pat Hunt. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Make it the text line at this point because Pat Heim is on with me. Pat's been uh, popular, I would say, Pat, maybe the last couple of weeks uh, in the morning, huh? It appears so, yeah. Uh, That's good, though, because Joe's been getting a lot of attention. Your husband, a political science professor, uh, he gets a lot of attention. It's nice you get some of this attention now. It is, finally, yes. Um, and I just I introduced you before uh, earlier in the show. Just your retired criminal law attorney. You you've been doing that for forty five years. Yes. Um, has has that job <laughs> over that time period kind of been pretty? I, I guess the the same or has in the you know maybe in the the last I don't know how long ago you retired, but uh, has it changed a lot maybe in the last decade? Yeah, I think the practice of law in general has changed. Uh, before there was, when I first started out, there was more agreements and discussions that were had, um, and you could trust the word of the other attorney. I'm not saying you can't trust the other word now, but everything has to be in writing, and the T's have to be crossed, and the I's have to be dotted. So, yeah, it's different. It's, it's much more formal. All right. So I, I, I mentioned all the things that I want to get to, so... Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with just the the Rittenhouse verdict and and what that, you know, any big surprises there? Or do you want to go Crystal Kaiser? Or do you just want to jump right down to Jeffrey Epstein? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, let's talk with the Rittenhouse case. And I I think I mentioned that earlier is that it's it's interesting that the trial is identified by the defendant and uh, not the uh, two people who were killed or the the other victim. I'm not surprised at all because in Wisconsin we have a very uh, unusual self-defense uh, law. So if, if in this case Mr. Rittenhouse claimed that um, he was using self-defense to you know to protect himself from the people that were at the uh, at the protest, so once you claim that, then the burden shifts back to the prosecution to prove that his reaction was greater than what was necessary. So that's really unusual. And, and also, in some sense, requires the, uh, the state to try to prove the uh, mindset of the defendant, which really is not possible. So I, I mentioned to you earlier, I've been reading some articles by different people saying that maybe in Wisconsin we need uh, to change that, uh, that law, because uh, typically, once the state has, you know, proves beyond a reasonable doubt something, it's, unu- it's 
unusual and not common at all for uh, for the defense to make a statement and then shift the burden back to the prosecution. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to figure out what's going on in his head, and that's probably impossible to do. Is that what you're saying? It is. I mean, you know, he. he what, we don't know what he was thinking of. Uh, we can look at his actions, but that doesn't necessarily tell us um, what he was thinking of. Was he really afraid, uh, or did he insert himself into a situation that he probably shouldn't have? Did he regret what he did? I mean, it's it, it's impossible for the prosecution to determine that because they don't have the right uh, to interview him after he has retained lawyers and if the lawyers say no you can't interview him about that then there's no interview what about the judge you know throwing out one of those uh, videos that essentially said you know i think he was standing outside a, a walgreens or a cvs or something and uh some some people were coming out of that building and it looked like they might have been stealing something. And, he, and I'm pretty sure he said something to the fact that he wanted, you know, he'd shoot those people right now if he could, if he had his AR or something like that. Do you remember that video? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he, I, I saw the video, and the judge said that that was irrelevant because it didn't pertain to the, the day in question. So he said that was not relevant. Now, I mean, that's a, that's a hard call to make. Um, you know, it's a discretionary call. If the judge had allowed it in, um, it's, it's not something that you, if you try to appeal it, that an appellate court would overturn that. So it's really a discretionary call. And, you know, to some extent I understand why the judge did that, because it was not, it, it didn't happen at that time. It happened in a different circumstance. So I, I, I do understand that. Right. But when you're trying to prove what's going through this kid's head, that's the only evidence you would have, right? That's really all you have. Yes, that's all you have. So. I mean, as far as the prosecution was concerned, yeah, that that really devastated their their whole claim. Yeah, and yeah, we can go two ways here. But let's you, you mentioned the judge, or I guess I did. Um, it it seems so. I've made this analogy a couple of times, just in in my you know, I'm not deep diving into this case, but I've seen a lot of the judge clips, and it, 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 the judge seems to me like a referee that wants attention in a basketball game or a football game where he's interacting with players and the crowd. I've seen this in high school games a lot too. Uh, and the judge just seems like he wants a little bit more attention than, you know, I feel like he should be kind of silent. You shouldn't even know the judge exists until the judge needs to say something, and it should be pretty level-headed. Um, Steve uh, Steve Doyle said that that judge has been known. Uh, people have called him wacky. Steve didn't call him wacky. I don't know if wacky was the term, but he said that judge is kind of known to be wacky. But um, some of the things that I just jotted down over the couple of weeks that this happened— he, it was weird that, and, and this isn't like notorious, but he was reading a cookbook. Um, he was he yelled at the prosecution pretty harshly at one point. He made a weird Asian food quote unquote joke. Uh, his cell phone kept going off, which we talked about on Friday for a little bit. Um, he called for applause for veterans, and then the only veteran there that day was a veteran that was a witness. So that seemed to be for a little defense. bit for the defense. Yeah, or on the okay, and then. Um, and then, the, and then the big, the big one was like you can't call the people that were killed victims, but you could call them possibly rioters or looters, which seemed to be you know one of the the thing that that stuck the most when it pertained to the case. But all this stuff just seems like the judge trying to get attention. I don't know if that's true or if this is that. I mean, the judge was a little abnormal, right? Uh, yeah, I have not. I mean, after forty five years of practice, I have not run into a judge 
that was quite as, um, I don't want to say quirky, but you know, maybe quirky as this judge. And the other thing that, I, that struck me, too, um, Rick, is that he had a couple uh, motions for mistrial before him that he did not rule on, which, I mean, if, he, and this is just uh, this hypothetical, if he was in favor of the defendant getting off, he could wait until the jury verdict came in and then decide on the mistrial motions and grant them so that the, the jury verdicts, if they were guilty, would be thrown out. So I, I mean, that just, to me, was not, that was not fair to the jury who spent, you know, four and a half days deliberating. It was not fair to anybody, but that's something he could do. Yeah, if something is, is brought up and, hey, this should be a mistrial for whatever the, the thing that's brought up, the judge typically would rule, you know, right then and there, maybe think about it for a day and then come back and rule before we go on with the process? Is that for how sure. that should work? It's, you know, and if you look at the other trial that we were talking about, the Armid uh, Arbery, the, the ju- there has been multiple mistrial motions, which the judge has ruled on, um, either at the time the motion is made or within a day. So, I mean, he's been pretty clear about, you know, where he thinks this is all going, unlike the, the, the case with the judge, um, I don't know if it's he, Schroeder or Schrader, who... Schroeder, uh, yep. Yeah, kind of, you know, kind of kept that in, in his back pocket. Well, that's what I was just going to say. You literally stole the, the the cliche from me is it seems so there's a lot of jokes. If you if you look at the onion on social media, a lot of jokes about how how Judge Schroeder, Schrader, Schroeder, Judge Schroeder, there it is. Uh, he was going to he's probably going to adopt Kyle after the after he's you know deemed innocent. It just seems like it's his little buddy and they're going to be best friends. Um, but yeah, to keep to keep these mistrials in his back pocket. Oh, if the verdict comes back guilty on all accounts, I feel like he would have just deemed it a mistrial because he just he likes this kid or he seemed to like this kid yeah. uh, for for whatever reason. I don't I don't really understand it. No, I don't either. Um, so it's very to me it's unusual. I know it's not against the law to do that, but you would think um, as a I mean, these jurors spent a lot of time there, and to have them go through the whole process and perhaps him saying, at some point I'm declaring a mistrial, that just doesn't seem fair to them. But you know, that's just me. Yeah, is that a Wisconsin thing where the judge can keep that in his pocket and just do that, or do you think that's across all? Because that seems like something that shouldn't be available to a judge to just decide later on after the fact, whenever they – it's almost like they're the jury. Why even have a jury then? That's true. Now, I can't – speak for all 50 states, but I do know that in civil trials, uh, this is something that the judge can do as well. So if you have a civil trial, you know, a, a, a personal injury case, and there's a motion pending, the judge can wait until after the verdict comes in and still declare a mistrial. So it's not only just criminal, it's also civil. All right. We're speaking with Pat Heim. She's a retired criminal law attorney. Uh, been doing. She had been doing, how long ago did you retire, Pat, after 45 years? Uh, January of 2020. January. Okay, so you just you just finished a year ago. You got out right in time, I think. Um, well, I lost a year, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like that year is a decade. Um, anything else about the Rittenhouse case? And I, I'll get into. We got a break here pretty soon, but I'll get into the Crystal Kaiser thing, the relation there. But um, you know, it, it seems to me that maybe looking at the Rittenhouse case, 
that laws, uh, maybe some either gun laws need to be changed or just some some like like you said the the idea that you have to prove what the defendant is thinking. Maybe that needs to change somehow. Well, two quick things. Number one is that there already have been brought uh, a, a civil uh, lawsuit against um, Mr. Rittenhouse, but also the Kenosha County and the Kenosha County Police Department on behalf of two of the people that were killed. And also Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be on Tucker Carlson tonight. Oh, yeah. That, well, thanks for the Fox promotion, Pat. No, I, I, that was actually, I, I did want to bring that up a little bit. The, the, uh, the attorney, Rittenhouse's attorney, uh, had, had uh, the, come out over the weekend saying that the Fo- Fox was doing a documentary about this and that he had to kick them out of multiple meetings, kick the, the whatever the camera crews, or I don't know how, how that worked, but he had to kick them out. And it seems like a little sketch if uh, we're trying to make some money off, off this trial, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, well, the, the defense attorney, to his credit, said, I represent a person. I don't re- represent a cause. Uh, so, you know, he did his job. Yeah, it just seems, yeah, all of it seems, the, the amount of attention. Have you ever had a case like this where, not you per se, but ever ever seen a case like this? Just, uh, I don't know, just take over politics, take over the media, all while other cases are very similar and very, it just seem just as crazy uh, when you come to even Jeffrey Epstein's coming up and, and the, the Aubrey we call it the Aubrey case because there's three people that, that were involved in a murder. Right. I think that's why we don't call it the other case. But the Georgia case is what I call it a lot. Um, but, man, this Rittenhouse thing really took over. It, it really did. I, it, I, have, I, I can't remember another case that perhaps has caught, it caught the attention of the whole United States. Uh, and, and Unfortunately, it shows how there are so many divisions within this country, which is very sad. All right, we're speaking with Pat Heim. we got to take a quick break. Pat, you can stick around, right? Sure. All right, we're going to take a break. Scott's Comet coming up. Brad doing the news. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Because the, the microphone in the newsroom isn't working. Pat, before we bring you back, Brad's sitting in here, and he's going to give us the news live in studio because... Uh, your little booth isn't working. I'd like to say the gerbils took off early today, when, so they're not doing the spinning <laughs> wheel at all. But uh, that that might be a little too frivolous for the news we have today. But uh, so Pat, you can interrupt them anytime you hear some uh, you, news you want to you want to get in on here, Brad. Where do you want to start here? Well, I gotta... we'll, we will start uh, with the Waukesha parade story. Uh, the suspect in a deadly Christmas parade crash in Waukesha yesterday was in a domestic disturbance just minutes before he killed five people and injured 48. That's according to Waukesha Police Chief Dan Thompson. He said there's no evidence of terrorism in the event. Police preparing five charges of intentional homicide against Daryl Brooks, who is 39 years old, of Milwaukee. The uh, people killed are four women ages 52 to 79 and an 81-year-old man. A bull elk illegally shot and killed on the opening day of Wisconsin gun deer hunting season. The DNR says the shooting happened in Columbia County on early Saturday morning. It was 30 minutes after the official start of deer hunting. It's the fourth straight year in which at least one elk has been illegally killed by a gun deer hunter. Uh, in the uh, Getting back to the parade crash, there's... Uh, 
somebody made an unfortunate statement and is losing a position as a result in connection with that uh, Waukesha incident. The social media manager for the Democratic Party in DuPage County, Illinois, outside Chicago, has been removed from her position. She compared the driver of an SUV that plowed into a Christmas parade to Kyle Rittenhouse. Mary Lemansky sarcastically said the driver who police say killed five people and injured many more was acting in self-defense, which was Kyle Rittenhouse's defense. Now, she, uh, she said she left voluntarily. The party said she was let go. In Monroe County, a Milwaukee woman's ordered to serve three years in prison for taking part in an incident which ended in murder. Damara Skenador Medina was sentenced on two counts. On Friday, harboring or aiding a felon and delivering drugs. She will serve the two prison terms at the same time. Police say she traveled with two other men to Sparta in 2020, allegedly to sell drugs to Anthony Koopman. When Koopman tried to break off the deal and run, he was shot to death by another suspect, Michael Hartman, who was convicted at a trial last week, and Hartman is awaiting sentencing. And a pair of downtown, a uh, part of downtown lacrosse, may soon become a little brighter at night. City Board of Public Works has approved a plan to hang strings of lights between lampposts on Pearl Street. Businesses on both blocks of Pearl would, would contribute the money for the lights and may present them as a gift to the city. The lights would be displayed this holiday season to start with on the north side of Pearl, east of Second Street. So when we say a string of lights, we mean. Christmas lights. Some of well, uh, not necessarily Christmas lights. You know, some of these uh, you see them in commercials all the time. Somebody's at, at a barbecue or something, or at an outdoor, and you got the strings of lights that go across. Oh, so they'd be so up all year. The white lights. Yes. This is the most controversial part of the the newscast that I brought up. So uh, yes, the string is. of lights. So that's that's why. I'm um, done. Boy, you didn't mention about the Board of Public Works is uh, they're 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 going. Uh, they're they going talked to about fix Lacrosse Street. Woo-hoo! Next year, yes, starting next starting year. in June. Well, next year is a, about a month and a half away, so well, that's okay. It, yeah, but you said uh, June, the no. the, uh, the construction season for Lacrosse Street probably won't start until June. But you know, fixing the potholes and so forth. You can hear Joe Heim in the background. Oh, sure, now they fix it. The <laughs> UWL professor, <laughs> and, and then and then uh, also they are going to do the work on South Avenue that they've been talking about for a long time, which is putting in some roundabouts. Some businesses have had to move. For example, Boyer Furniture closed its uh, South Avenue location. Now they're up on George Street, so uh, they'll be doing that, and they say it'll be done by the end of 2022. Excited for roundabouts. Any you got anything for Pat on the Rittenhouse case? I don't know if you were listening. Do I have anything? I, I, I've been struck by uh, on the uh, the nature of the fact that uh, this was a case where uh, the, the defendant himself said it wasn't about race, but in, in the national media, it seems to be all about race, which which is uh, was a little surprising, I guess. I don't I don't know uh, what your thoughts are on that, Pat, or. Well, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that uh, the two people that were killed and the one that were injured were white. So I, I think it's about uh, people believing that the justice system gives a privilege to white people and, and do not extend the same uh, privilege to black people. You know, you've heard that. Uh, the, what if this was a 17-year-old black kid? that crossed uh, from Illinois into Wisconsin and uh, shot several people or killed a couple people and then shot another person, would he, have, he or she have gotten the same kind of 
treatment that Rittenhouse had. I, I think that's what they're talking about. That uh, and along those same lines is a comment that that's been uh, said a good deal is that if if it had been a black uh, person instead of uh, Kyle Rittenhouse being white, there is also an assumption that that person would have been shot. So yeah, that's no, another think, comment that's, that's what, been made. I think that's what people are are upset about, uh, particularly. Yes. <laughs> right. So I I want to do. Uh, I'll throw that one out. So uh, well, we have we have a, a good deal of. Uh, well, when you say it's discussion. it's all about race, first of all, the the whole protest well, itself. Well, the, pro- the the event. Yes, the event was a Black Lives Matter demonstration. It was two days after Jacob Blake was shot. Yep. And the the idea that we uh, we can kill to protect property, but when we you know destroy property because of a killing, in one way that seems okay, and then the other way that doesn't seem okay. And Even it, though he wasn't killed, Jacob Blake was paralyzed. And it's also interesting that uh, almost every time we have an important uh, or, or uh, an attention-getting trial, it it comes down to the uh, if you agreed with the person who was on trial. If you agreed with the uh, the verdict, then it was justice. And if you didn't agree with the verdict, it's not justice. And the system is broken. We are hearing a lot of that as well. Right. Pat, is the system broken? Uh, no, I don't think it's broken. I think there are opportunities uh, to make it better, but I don't think it's broken. Well, there's always this trial and error, right? We go through literally a trial, and then we come back and go, oh, you know what? There are some things that we could tweak here. Uh, I mean, we talk about this with the Affordable Care Act. I mean, we, we could go through health care and tweak it as we go, uh, even with, you know, we have an example here with Rittenhouse, and we can we can move on and, and say maybe the laws need to be changed with guns, and maybe the laws need to be changed with, uh, you know, what you were talking about, what's going on. Self-defense. Th- yeah. <laughs> Um, and then you could point to the Crystal Kaiser case, right? Can you can you explain the Crystal Kaiser case to us a little bit and and the parallels that it draws to Rittenhouse, but the uh, the what the outcome has been vastly different so far. Sure, uh, Crystal uh, was um, seventeen years old when she murdered a, a man that she said had been um, trapping her trafficking her for sex. And actually, the, the uh, person she killed was under investigation by the police, and they were about to bring charges against him. So she said that she had no recourse in that situation but to kill him, and then she uh, burned his house down and took his car to get away. When she went to trial originally, and I think she was 17 or 16 at that time, the judge said that she did not have the right to bring in uh, a claim of self-defense. Anyway, so she was found guilty and she was convicted. Then she appealed it uh, to the Court of Appeals in Wisconsin. And by the way, this is a Kenosha County case. Yeah, I was just going to say, and, it, was, was it, not, it wasn't Judge Schroeder, was no, it? Schrader. No, no, it was no. a different judge. And the Court of Appeals said, no, she should have had the ability to introduce self-defense. Now, uh, and as a result of that, uh, there's been another appeal uh, by, the, by Kenosha County to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. They have uh, set a, a schedule now for 
uh, briefing, and I believe that there should be a decision from the Supreme Court probably in late uh, winter or early September as to whether or not uh, she can bring that uh, at the trial. So, yeah, the parallel is <clears throat> there was no, didn't seem that there was any uh, burden for Mr. Rittenhouse to overcome to bring that, but in her situation, at least at the trial stage, she was prevented from bringing in self-defense. Yeah, and the, the irony here, too, is it's a, also a Kenosha County case. Uh, the both both of these were kids at the time. They were both 17. And uh, Rittenhouse, obviously a, a white boy, I, not white boy, but a white boy, 17 years old, and this being a black girl. Yeah, and, and um, unfortunately for Crystal, it took several years before her mother could uh, raise the money to um, uh, to have her uh, let out on bail. Whereas in the Rittenhouse case, uh, he he was able to attract uh, people with a lot of money to post a million dollar bail. So, but she is now out, and the question is, what's going to happen at this point? And Lord only knows what the Supreme Court is going to do. Yeah, this is a case that didn't dominate politics and didn't dominate the media and didn't get every uh, politician's Twitter and didn't raise millions of dollars to get her out of jail at all. That that, that seems kind of uh, the, I don't I don't know why it just seems a little odd that that it didn't dominate like Rittenhouse maybe because she didn't use an AR-15 I don't know. Well, yeah, that's that's probably true, but I I think that um, what the Rittenhouse case is sort of brought uh, to the uh, you know to the fore uh, that uh, self defense is a viable defense in Wisconsin, whereas it appears as though she was not allowed to bring that defense. So it's. You know, it's a different situation. She's a you know young black girl. Um, he was a young white guy. I'm not saying that the system is skewed, but it, it certainly it wasn't until this all came to be in Kenosha that her mom was able to raise enough money to get her on a bail. Yeah, I think maybe if you look at the case, and I don't know the the, the nitty gritty details, but she maybe some people would say Kyle was in a situation where he's out on the streets protecting himself in the, in the immediate where she maybe went sought this guy to kill. Uh, but, but on the flip side, he's also, you know, using her and he's almost like, you know, using her for prostitution. So uh, she can't get away in a sense, but the situation's a little bit different. Well, in, you know, in a sense, I mean, she did kill him. Uh, maybe burning down his house went, you know, further than she should and stealing his car, but maybe stealing his car was the only way she could get away from that. So, you know, I don't. I don't know. It's a. It's a sad situation. But to be a, a, a teenager who's being sexually trafficked. I mean, that's got to be the most awful thing. Yeah, and this is a. This is a thing. I mentioned this last week. I've talked to State Rep. Jill Billings about this. Uh, she's trying to get legislation passed that teenagers, so children who are sexual, you know, trafficked, can't be because in Wisconsin you can arrest these kids for prostitution which is illegal. You can't be a prostitute. But uh, if they're teenagers, if they're under 18, they're kids. So you can't sell kids for sex because kids can't have sex. That would be rape. So uh, in, in this legislation, years and years, she's been trying to get it passed. It just uh, Republicans in the in the legislature don't want to, to bring it to the floor. We haven't even debated it, I don't think. I uh, haven't this session anyway. But, you know, it's just another angle to this story, the Crystal Kaiser case. Right, and that's why I, I, I hope 
that I don't, I, I, I haven't listened to any of the evidence. I'm, you know, I'm only doing this from reading, but I, I do hope it becomes a little bit more uh, public so that people can weigh uh, the, uh, the good and the bad about what happened. All right, we're speaking with Pat Heim. She's a retired criminal law attorney. Didn't really introduce, reintroduce you there with Brad. Uh, we just kind of went right from the news, but um, appreciate you coming on. Now, let's talk about this Georgia case a little bit. The, this one hasn't this one hasn't grabbed the nation's attention and, and seems just as um, outlandish of a case in, in that uh, I don't know if, if this uh, Arbery was was jogging or if he actually maybe, you know, they I think they claimed he was stealing things from vacant houses, Ahmad Arbery, and that's why they, they went after him. But um, is this one just cut and dry and that's why we don't care about it as much? No, I don't think it's cut and dry. Okay. Um, I mean, I, if someone had not uh, produced that videotape, these, these guys would never have been charged. But there's still, I mean, they are the one uh, person, the McMichael kid, who testified said he uh, shot uh, Arbery in self-defense. He said at the trial that Arbery was hitting him and that he grabbed for the gun. The interesting thing is, as the prosecution pointed out, is that when this McMichael uh, fellow was interviewed about two hours after the incident, he never brought up the fact that Arbery grabbed for his gun or hit him. So, but, but you know, it's it's a, it's a strange, I mean, Georgia's, well, I always thought Wisconsin was different, but Georgia's probably different too, so you don't know. Yeah, and you're talking about Travis McMichael, one of the three guys who are, are yes. charged right now. Um, and in the video, I believe one of these three guys recorded the incident, and then they must have sent it to somebody and eventually, two months later, somebody said, hey, how come this – Maybe I, I don't know exactly, but hey, how come this isn't – nothing has happened to this? These guys shot this guy, and then the, the video gets released, and then all of a sudden the police are on it. But it seems to be a little bit of a cover-up almost. It was, and actually they have uh, – it was, it was the third guy that said he just came along for the ride. Uh, the, uh, the, the initial prosecutor that was on this case – has been removed from the case because of the uh, video that came up and because that person did not investigate it sufficiently. Yeah, it, just, yeah, it seems crazy. All right, moving on. Uh, I, I want to call this the Jeffrey Epstein case, but uh, we could call it the Ghislaine Maxwell case. Um, you know, how, how big of a media frenzy is this going to get? We, I'm surprised it's not... Maybe because Rittenhouse was going on, uh, maybe because we, we're just picking the jury at this point. But this is—do you think this is going to get the attention of of the nation as well? I do. Yeah, they are picking the jury, and I think once the trial starts, there is going to be a lot of attention because. And again, I don't know how what evidence the judge is going to let in. He does have what what is called the little black book that she recorded uh, different encounters. And you have people like Alan Dershowitz. Um, you have people like Bill Clinton. Uh, you have a lot of very powerful men that were involved in this. And to the extent that the judge allows any of that to come in, oh, I think it's going to be a bombshell. Yeah, and this is also a, essentially a sex trafficking case as well, maybe of, my, of minors too, right? 
Yeah, because, I mean, the allegation, I think there's six counts against her, but the allegation is basically she groomed young girls as young as 14. They were, and the vast majority were minors, to have sex not only with Epstein, but with other uh, men that Epstein brought uh, to them. Yeah, to the, and to an island, or is the island just kind of like a sidebar? No, no, I think the island was a big deal. I mean, I think that's where a lot of things went on. I'm sure other things happened. At, he had a, 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 a hundreds of millions of dollars of, uh, or in uh, an apartment in Manhattan. So it, it may have occurred at different places, but, you know, it's, it's pretty sordid. Yeah, this. I think what's going to happen here is we're going to get. It's maybe it'll get a, a huge media following and, and and a frenzy, and then we'll all be disappointed in the outcome because we want to see all the kingpins go down, and then none of them will go down. I'm sure. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, it's, 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 she's fighting for. She's 59 years old. Uh, if she gets convicted, she could face up to 80 years in prison. So, you know, I mean, she's fighting for her life. I don't. Again, I don't know what the judge is going to do in terms of letting this in. But the prosecution does have that infamous black book. All right. That's Pat Heim, retired criminal law attorney. She had done that for 45 years, retired last year, um, getting more attention than her husband, Joe Heim, political science professor. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, Pat. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rick. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Oh, I forgot to ask Pat about Thanksgiving Day dinners. Last year, we had a lot of fun with that. I had, a, I think I had a guest on every day leading up to Thanksgiving, asking them and their top five dishes or bottom five. Uh, this is something that started a couple of years ago with, with which, who is now Mayor Mitch Reynolds, but when Mitch did this show, we, I think we argued a lot about whether green bean casserole was good or not. And I will say my mom's green bean casserole is awesome. And I've had somebody else's green bean casserole. I can't remember who. You know, always kind of, oh, yeah, green bean casserole. You're at somebody else's Thanksgiving, and you get the green bean casserole, and you're like, ugh, actually, I don't know. Um, and then uh, I think we, uh, along with green bean casserole, the most, the biggest attention getter with Thanksgiving dinner is the uh, the, the fluff, the marshmallow fluff. Uh, what is Chagoski calls it? The uh, pistachio fluff, though. I don't know why we call it pistachio. I don't know if there's literally pistachios in it. Um, those are my, those are two of my favorites and mashed potatoes. I'm just getting ready for Thanksgiving, getting all excited. Pistachio fluff, green bean casserole. All right, go check out wisdomnews.com. Brad's going to have that story on, uh, putting roundabouts on the South side. We're going to start doing that next year. Woohoo. I honestly, I really want roundabouts. We might do the show tomorrow on roundabouts, honestly, because who doesn't want to talk about the roads and fixing lacrosse street. I think everybody can, can, uh, Agree that we we need to do that, uh, but man, going down the south side, down the main drag there, and, and hitting every one of them lights just infuriates me. And I just think, wow, it's it'll be so, someday when we have roundabouts there. But how crazy is it going to be when they put the roundabouts in? How how awful will construction be during that period of time? 